Welcome back, Pop Kylie. You're light years away from some kind of bliss, and many say, I'm so high about that. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. It was the best I could do when I was writing this up. We're talking all things light years tonight. And yay, it's Kylie's first ever number one album in Australia. And not to mention a pretty decent hit globally too. Set against the backdrop of the Sydney Olympic Games light years, well it catapulted Kylie back into the mainstream music scene after what some described was a very necessary deviation down the experimental track that was Impossible Princess. As British music journal NME noted at the time, light years saw Minogue, quote, dropping her considerable concern for cool and bouncing back to her disco pop roots. Light Years is all you need to know about Kylie in less than an hour. Fun, perfectly formed, not too taxing, <laughs> and occasionally annoying. I have a trio of golden super fans joining me tonight. Rick, Jono, and Aiden. Aiden, all the way from Canada. Welcome, friends. Welcome, golden friends. How are you all? Good. 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 Awesome. Even though it's late. <laughs> no complaining from the Canadian. No, we don't want that. It's, perfect, it's perfectly reasonable time here None in Australia. <laughs> so here it is, guys. The big leap from ultra-cool deconstruction to the commercial powerhouse parlophone. Rick, while you're passing me a peach, what comes into your mind when you're thinking about light years? Uh, pop. Just pop. Brilliant. And um, gold hot pants. Because... Um, <laughs> Would it be an album without those gold hot pants? <laughs> oh, every interview for the rest of her life. Oh, well, anyway. she did say that they were walk. They could have done the interviews by themselves because yes. that's all they wanted to talk about. But that video clip, iconic, and uh, I think that'll define her video clips for the rest of her career. I think. Jono, what do you make of Light Years? Is it one of her best? It is, but it's probably a bit more lower down on my actual list if I was to rank them. Not that I don't dislike her. I don't think I dislike any of her albums, really. Um, I'm not giving a pageant answer. But, um, yeah, I probably <laughs> would just say because the singles stand out more than the actual um, non-singles. Do you get what I mean? Which yes. is kind of rare for a Kylie album, I think. Absolutely. It's a, it's got some powerhouse singles, doesn't it? And Aiden, over there in Canada, I mean, did you even get Light Years released? Is that a really racist <laughs> question for um, me to ask? <laughs> we... We didn't um, until Fever. That's right. And when once Fever was released, then Light Years was everywhere. It was like if you went into the store to buy Fever, you had pretty much every other Kylie release um, in the store. Then she absolutely blew up um, here after the re release of Fever. Um, but so for the album itself, I I think it's one. It's in my top five, absolutely. Um, for Kylie and her albums. It's one of the most, I think, Kylie albums there is. It's absolutely what she is at her core, very pop. It was definitely the right um, move for her after um, Impossible Princess. She came right back onto the scene um, and really geared herself up for global domination over the next you know four to five years definitely oh, just music to my ears oh. gearing herself up for global domination with fever of course you're yes. absolutely right this laid like the foundation 
for, for Fever, didn't it? I mean, whether it's your favourite album or not, I've got to admit, Light Years is the quintessential Kylie album, isn't it? I mean, it, it does. I mean, I love that review where it said, this is all you need to know about Kylie in less than an hour. I think that's a great statement. I like the whole album. I like every single song on the album. This is a podcast for the fans, so only Super Kylie fans would get why I'm starting with track one being not spinning around, but password. Who did the yeah. rewind, you know, who held their finger on the um, on the CD player going back, 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 back? And who had a CD player which, if you went a little bit too far, just wrecked the whole thing? Are you talking about a CD or are you talking about a cassette? Like what? Actually, that's a good point. I don't know how on earth they put the hidden track on the cassette. I assume they didn't. It was on the CD uh, that they had mm. password. You had to go back. You couldn't just go skip with one button. You had to, on my disc player at least, you had to go mm. back um, seeking right through the, the track and get it just perfectly timed if you wanted to hear it from the beginning. Mine was the same. It's not It's not one of my favourites from the era when we come to like bonus tracks and b-sides but i think it does have a certain charm to it i mean the kind of meowing and purring throughout it is quite <laughs> something um very very cute i would say now this was interesting because at least for me this was around the beginning of the internet so it wasn't as if you readily knew there was this additional track rick how did you find out that password was even on the album um i fluked it <laughs> it I literally did like it just happened and I was like damn <laughs> and you know the giggle at the end it's kind of cute well it's a good place for us to segue into the the first single on the album which was released around June of 2000 I think it was around the world so that's a sort of a summer release for the um for the UK and a, and a winter release here in Australia god knows what in Canada Aiden I'm really sorry I wouldn't have a clue what season it is over there uh it, it would have it been summer and it's a summery song isn't it spinning around my god what a way to come back after impossible princess what did we make when we first heard first saw and for me it was a little internet clip you know back then when you had to buffer on the telephone line all that noise that it used to make i remember hearing a five second snippet that she released with the pink cover uh what did we all think of spinning around i heard it on the radio for the first time and i went berserk um, oh, it was just pure pop, and and when I heard that Paul Abdul had written it, I just knew that it was it was perfect. Like it was, I think she had to have this song to come back after Impossible Princess, and I think it was the perfect song for her to hit back. And it's just pure pop. It is. I think you say the album's Kylie in under an hour. I think spinning around's Kylie in under four minutes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jono, what are you making of spinning around? I just think, I th probably think Paul Abdul's just kicking herself that she didn't give it for herself. Oh, didn't she ever? Yeah, she was planning a big comeback album. Put off like Kylie. I can't imagine, I love Paula Abdul, I really do, but I can't yeah. even, I, I think it would have had a harder edge if she released this, if she produced it. Don't you reckon? I can't imagine her doing this version of, of spinning around. It's too light no. and fluffy for her. But I would love to have heard it, though, nonetheless. There's a few tracks in her discography where it was like it was meant to be Kylie's mm. for a reason, and this is one of them. So I think even though she didn't, she didn't write it, I think it very much represents um, how uh, she was viewing her career at the time coming back 
and having such a big comeback um, that she did, it was massive. So poetic, isn't it? That the, the lyrics of it, and they weren't written for her; they weren't written by her, but they just beautifully summed yeah. up where we were all at as fans and where she was at in her career. Spinning around <laughs> the video clip. Now, come on, where where do we start with this? Uh, we start with the gold hot pants, <laughs> and we, but we finish with the gold hot pants. Uh, was there anything else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that choreography, though, like I just want, I just want to find a guy in the club that knows it off by heart, and I can kind of do that little wiggle on his butt like she does. <laughs> Jono, <laughs> so, over. Jono, can you do that dance? I could try. I, I could tuck and do it. I just need someone to make that. <laughs> The music video for Spinning Around was directed by Dawn Shadforth. I have a feeling it was the first time Dawn and Kylie worked on a video clip. It certainly wasn't the last, though, all the way up into Into the Blue. Uh, they've, they've done a lot of videos together. It was an iconic video clip, though, wasn't it, Aiden? Um, the video, I think uh, she's mentioned the video clip um, was the first time she worked with a female director. Mm. Um, I mean, we already mentioned the hot pants. I mean, I can't believe... We're, you know, eight, like 18 years almost since uh, spinning around now and it still gets bought up in every, pretty much every interview, you know, a new Kylie era starts and you, you got to mention the gold hot pants. I think it's really very much a staple of her career, um, whether she likes it or not. Now, Jono, it seems to me like I'm making a big assumption here we've never met, but you seem like a guy who might go to clubs and stuff like that. Have you ever seen anybody doing that kind of acting and behaving that way on a bar top before well there aren't really mirrors in clubs so i can't see myself doing it but um yeah no people don't really get rowdy in gay clubs on oxford street just because they're mostly kind of into the wall with their little congregations right okay you gotta get the party started look i don't know there's this real kind of like misconception about gay clubs where it kind of does look like the spinning where people think it does look like the spinning around video but really it's like perks of being a wallflower i can't see it happening down at the local rsl (laughs) (laughs) there might be a few old guys dropping down with heart attacks maybe you might get a few free drinks there though rick why don't you give it a go mate i'll i'll go if she's doing it but if i'm doing it we might empty the place (laughs) (laughs) well i'd shout you around if you did it put it that way Track number two on the album was also a monster hit, and that's On A Night Like This, arguably bigger than Spinning Around. Spinning Around definitely needed to be that first single. It just had to be. It just it made sense, and it was cosmic, and it was poetic for what was going on in her career. But On A Night Like This, fantastic. And especially for us in Australia, maybe, or maybe I'm only talking for myself, it represents the Olympic Games big time for me. Party time, right? Like, I feel like if she was to do the Super Bowl, and I'm praying... I'm praying she does the Super Bowl, but I feel like she would end with that track. It's an epic, uh, epic track and fantastic in concert. Like, I think it transcends into a concert. Fantastic. Um, I remember the KM, uh, the Kiss Me Once tour. Um, mm. It was just like a massive disco. The lights, it was just fun. And, and I remember that I harp on the videos, but the video was like a movie and it was, yeah. it was all class. And I think it had all, I think it set the tone for the album, but. I think it's one of her strongest singles ever. I do too. Now, it was actually um, written for somebody else and performed and released by, I think, somewhere in Italy or Spain, a a Spanish artist or an Italian artist. So it's pretty much a remake. Kylie does that quite well throughout her career. 
I I think it's um, it was a perfect follow up to um, spinning around. Um, definitely, um, the being performed performed at the Olympic Games. I think that was definitely a big step on a road to um, huge success um, with Fever. Um, I think that was maybe the first step um, coming back. And you know, they say she performed in front of you know one one billion people on uh, television and she absolutely rocked it i mean mm. along with dancing queen and um yeah they say it's professional it's, uh, yeah it, like uh, i they say uh, it was a uh, i guess it had uh, maybe a, lo- a longer chart run than uh, spinning around did now the lovely steve anderson wasn't completely absent from light years track four is so now goodbye written by Kylie and Steve Anderson together. This is a fun track, isn't it? It's, it's for me at least, it's it's really fun. And as many people say, the whole album is camp-tastic. This is probably as, about as camp-tastic as it gets. Uh, it kicks off my favourite part, uh, passage of the album. I think it's a perfect um, camp pop song. And I think that um, although it was never considered, it's just considered an album track, I think that the strength of the songs that are just album tracks really shows the strength of the album. Uh, we're talking- oh, yeah, so now goodbye. That's definitely in my playlist of um, good breakup songs, or Kylie songs. <laughs> I've never thought of it so, like that, you know. Actually, you've just brought me back either. into reality. It is actually a breakup song, isn't it? Because the tune would be like that. Like, it doesn't sound like a breakup song. But you're right. Mm. So I think it was probably a missed opportunity for a single, but, like, at the same time, I don't kind of think that I don't think there are any missed opportunities for singles because all of them are so stellar. Oh, I do. I, I disagree with that. I think um, we'll, we'll get to track 11, Butterfly, soon, but that is the biggest oh, missed opportunity of her entire career, I think, because Butterfly, with the <laughs> yeah. right video and the right mix, I also think it would have needed to have been slightly mixed, that was a clanger of a hit waiting to happen. Anyway, oh, I'm, I'm way deviating. Uh, so now goodbye over there in Canada. How was it received by Mr. Aiden? Um, this was one that took a very long time to grow on me. Um, from when I first listened to Light Years and throughout the years, it was was never really my favourite. Um, and only really recently where I, I, I started, um, I'm always going through her albums again and I'm like, you know what, this is actually really a really stellar track. I love the performance from the On a Night Like This Fantastic, tour uh, during yeah. that during that segment absolutely brilliant um yeah it's a good track i i definitely appreciate it now now track five on the album disco down even at the time i remember as the singles were being released and we didn't know what the next one would be what the next one would be this one was the one that people were seemed to be above butterfly in fact it seemed to be rioting for they demanded disco down to be a single i didn't agree with it personally i love the song i don't think it would have been a great single choice i'm glad she sang it at the anti-tour made me very happy when she sang it at the anti-tour should disco down have been a single hell yeah (laughs) it's such a dance track it just jumps off the record i i I don't understand why it wasn't i I think it should have been and you're right the anti-tour when she sung it that was brilliant yeah this is the one track i think is a missed opportunity um, I don't know, it's kind of, I'm not saying it's forgettable, but it's definitely not one that I jump to. Like, I can't believe I even forgot Butterfly as missed opportunities for singles, because you're right, Butterfly is in my top five Kylie fa- 
Evocala songs, but I'm getting ahead of us as well. <laughs> I just, okay. I don't know. Disco Down is, I guess, but no. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think there's a lot of people uh, like you and me, Jono, that we, we don't mind the track, but as for a single, nah. But the people who wanted it to be a single, boy, are they vocal. No, like It's like this little uh, segment of, of Kylie Kingdom where people are just with pitchforks and big placards, how dare you never release Disco Down. Like It's a really we are fierce out there. group. You are out there, Rick, and you're probably right <laughs> at the head of the group, aren't you? <laughs> Aiden, what do you make of this one? Um excellent um as a single mm, i could see it being a single but i i mean it wouldn't be my first choice but i think it's an absolutely epic song i think it, the produ- production on a song is one of her um best ever i mean those um kind of bells that you hear throughout yes. um and in the chorus are just absolutely amazing um it's an ethereal song um definitely a, a great track and you know what? On any other album, I probably would be joining the campaign for this to be a single. It's just we're so spoilt for choice on this album because there are no duds yeah. on this album. There are no duds. It's such a fun album. And not the least of which is track six, Love Boat. Now, Love Boat didn't stand out to me at all until it opened the Honor Night Like This tour. And what a fantastic freaking way to open that particular <laughs> tour, that anchor and that little kimono that she was wearing. Brilliant, right? I remember uh, avoiding the internet, avoiding the TV yes, for days before the concert started because I didn't want to see how she was going to come onto the stage. Um, and I think I was a screaming, crying mess <laughs> um, <laughs> with standing next to my wife who's looking at me going, oh, my God, get your son together. <laughs> <laughs> when she comes down on that anchor because I think it was everything um, – I'd probably ever wanted. Who doesn't want to be on a love boat with Miss Minogue coming down on an anchor? It was camp. It was brilliant. And the song, it just lifted the song. I, I, it was brilliant live. In Australia, at least. Well, first of all, this tour just blew everything out. It set a record. It, it, was, it became the biggest... Uh, tour of a female act ever in Australia at the time. I mean, that's talking about Olivia Newton, John, Madonna, all the acts that had come before. She trumped all of them. And the atmosphere in that entertainment centre, I was at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, and I went twice or three times possibly um, because she just kept adding show after show after show. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Cannot even begin to tell people. And what I loved was this was the first tour I'd been to in a long time, well, probably the first tour for Kylie, where it wasn't just hardcore fans. There was old people, really young people, straight people, um, couples, <laughs> and then, of course, her, her gay brigade. I mean, they were all there. It was such a mix, and I think that really added to the vibe. That's what I noticed that, that time. Well, I mean, what, what more could you want? And the Mexican waves every time. They went on. The video only shows yes. it for about 30 seconds, but the Mexican waves went for 15, 20 bloody minutes. Until I was yeah. like, come on, stop that, Kylie, bring it into line, bring it into line. <laughs> Jono, did you go to be on a light like this tour? Um, no, because I was six years old. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, but forgiven. Because when you're asking I feel me old. To I was <laughs> like, oh, I do. I'm like, does he know how old I am? I'm only 24, so I've only been to Kiss Me Once. Well, then, welcome to Kylie Kingdom, newbie. And oh, maybe you, you will we'll probably the take up. the throne when the rest of us die, which isn't too far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I want to take it now, to be honest. I'm impatient. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden, what did you make of Love Boat? 
Um, this this is hands down my favorite track um, on the album. Since first lesson, I can remember getting the CD for Christmas and putting it in and hearing Love Boat for the first time. And it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then when I got the because obviously I didn't have the um, fortune of attending the On a Night Like This tour, but I did have the fortune of getting the VHS um, <laughs> probably in 2002. And that opening, uh, like that just solidified it as an absolute Kylie classic for me, an absolute fan favorite, I think. Um, I think it's just absolutely everything. It's one of the most Kylie tracks there is. It's like uh, listening to it, it's so happy. It's like a or like a vacation in a song, I guess. It's very um, cliche way of putting it, um, but absolutely my favorite track. And um, I, on the I, album. Think, I think there's only one person who could write lyrics like this: "Have and Havana, pass me a peach, rub on oh, some yeah. lotion, the places I can't reach." I mean, Robbie, oh, yeah. <laughs> Robbie Williams. I mean, he's a fruitcake in the most genius of ways. Oh, yeah. He uh, really, and I mean, obviously he's um, on the album uh, a couple more times, but absolutely he is, um, his songwriting definitely st stands out in the uh, songs um, on the album, Your Your Disco Needs You, Kids, um, and definitely those lines in Love Boat, classic um, Robbie Williams as well. Classic Robbie Williams, completely bizarre and off the wall and strange, and probably where he was just looking for a word that rhymed half the time, but he somehow makes it work. Kukachu too, I feel like sometimes, for me, I can't separate Love Boat with Kukachu probably because of a tour um, more than anything, but they, they do go together, talking about zany lyrics, right? Kukachu. What um, is a Kukachu? What the hell is a Kukachu, <laughs> actually? Let's yeah. start right there. What's a Kukachu? You're probably thinking it's an Australian term or something, right? It's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you guys talk amongst yourselves, Rick. You you take Kukachu. I'm going to Google what is a Kukachu. I have no idea what it is, but I do know that my wife, when we got married, she walked down the aisle to this song. Oh, Lord. Really? Oh, Lord. She really Tell did. Tell us the story. So, uh, we, I, we've got four kids, and um, I really wanted to name one of my girls Kylie. I lost the argument because that just was not happening. Um, I even tried for the middle name. Didn't happen. Um, and we were discussing the wedding. Um, I mean, when you have a wedding, you're tearing your hair out um, and spending a lot of money that you don't have. And we're talking about songs. And this song, um, we just loved it. Like, we used to dance around to it in the in the kitchen. She's going to kill me for saying it. Um, and in the lounge room at home. And it just fitted with our, with our romance, I suppose. And it was just perfect for us. And because so we were she kind of walked like, down the aisle. Uh, you kind of jogged, stroke, walk, stroke, dance. To, to uh, Kukachu. Yeah, yeah, really? it was massive. The, uh, everyone went berserk because that they were waiting epic. for this. They were waiting for this, um, the general wedding song or a little bit of uh, classic music. Um, I can tell you now that the Catholic priest, oh, his no. eyes were a little shook oh, when he it. heard it. <laughs> but it was it was so much fun because we're up the front and I'm up there sort of jazzing away dancing and just sort of and she's coming down with the bridesmaids and they were just like completely out of step. No idea what they're doing. All they knew was they were trying to get to the end and keep some dignity. But people still talk about it and it was fantastic. And it's a song that we put on and we play it for the kids in the car now. And they're like, oh this my was God. our wedding song, kids. 
the video, the VHS, it's still here somewhere. <laughs> it's oh, really cool. You could be the only couple on the planet who chose that to walk there. That is that is an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. That truly is. That's that's bizarre and amazing at the same time. That's a really good, good story. Now I've just when been. I, I've been I think of. Uh... Kylie songs to walk walk down the aisle to, <laughs> Kukuchu is probably like dead last for me. <laughs> um, so very very unique. I mean, I've heard of people walking down the aisle to like uh, um, Abbey Road Sessions, uh, yes. Love at First Sight, um, about her other songs too. But Kukuchu definitely very unique. Well, I think it says a lot about Rick and his marriage. It must be a fun, lively, yes. energetic marriage. Um, I've, just been, I've been looking up Pukachu, um, and it's interesting, actually, I'm glad I did. Here we go, we're learning on the go, my friends. The, the phrase was first used in songs by artists such as the Beatles, and shortly after by Simon and Garfunkel. This phrase has absolutely no definitive meaning given by dictionaries or artists such as John Lennon, who first used it. The phrase has two other widely known spellings, um, and we don't care about those. It's believed to be used in songs um, of the 60s and 70s and it's a slang word a phrase left to be freely interpreted by anyone based on the surrounding context in which it's used basically kukachu is just a crazy word that can mean anything there i you was go, a though. little frightened when you were giving the definition because i don't think i, I didn't want to know just in case it wasn't <laughs> something we thought it was because <laughs> then i'd be erasing or taping over the wedding tape yeah. and redoing it all in your whole marriage could have taken on a brand new meaning right uh, it could have been some weird bird with two legs and pink. Oh, that's right. It's a flamingo. I don't know. Like the cousin of the kookaburra, right? Yeah, something like it that. It could have been. I was dreading it. I was, I was kind of glad you got to the end and it wasn't dreadful. All right, Jono, what do you think of Kukachu? It's very kind of like um, Disney Channel original movie summer holiday soundtrack <laughs> kind of thing. You're making like me feel bad. It's just a really high school musical. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's a bop, but I'm kind of just picturing a, a bride walking down the aisle to something that sounds like you're kind of running across the beach. Muriel's wedding. Oh, you're terrible, Muriel. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's move to track eight, which is Your Disco Needs You. Now, this is epic. Now, I'm sure you've all got a lot to say about this. It was written by uh, Kylie. She was involved in the writing of this. Chambers and Williams, uh, Robbie Williams. Um, again, some really daft lyrics in here. Um, and, a, and a strange little video clip, too. It had a limited release in Australia. Um, that was all because there was this fan campaign at the during the On A Night Like This tour to have it released. Um, and I don't know why Germany comes into my head too, whether the video was only released in Germany, but something to do with German. And then we have all the, um, the lyrics, which were originally French in the middle. She translated that, I believe, into Japanese, four different ones, probably Italian. You guys might know better than me. But this is a big track, isn't it? Your Disco Needs You. It's epic. And in Germany, it was only released in Germany as a single. I think it got to like 31 or something. Australia in way, definitely but, got a limited release too, without the video. Yeah, 10,000 10, copies, I think. But right. there's so many video clips for this. It's, mm. it's massive in concert and it, it rocks on the album. For me, like this is definitely the biggest um, missed opportunity for a, for a big single, um, especially in the UK. Um, I, I've read before that, you know, fans were protesting outside of Parlophone um, yes. headquarters. They yes. wanted it released as a single so bad. 
um, and it actually it made its way to like 152, I think, in the UK based on um, imports alone. I think wow. um, I, I think amazing? if it got a full release, she would have saw uh, definitely another top 10 hit, um, if not you know reaching number one. I think it was definitely the biggest missed opportunity for for a commercial success. Now saying that, um, I think it's definitely a fan favorite. It's a it's a classic. Um, she brings it back time and time again. The fans love it, eat it mm. up. She loves performing it. Um, it. It's an overall another one of those intrinsic um, Kylie songs. Jono, this is a song where yeah. she really shows off her operatic skills in concert too, doesn't she? She apps. My feeling, yeah. my feeling is that she loves this show off moment and I'm going to call it that because she can't she has pipes on her that um, people often dismiss but this song just suits her down to the ground because she has she she has an operatic tone and ability she does yeah well she showed it off at the iTunes um, festival when she did this kind of like little scaled down version of KMO you know, I agree with Aiden where he says that it's a missed opportunity for a single because I think what she should have done is actually released it as the first single. So it's kind of like a, a com- like an invitation to the album. Like your mm. disco needs you. Mm, and then she releases Spinning Around. And then it's, I think she could have told a story with the singles where it was your disco needs you, then there's Spinning Around and then Please Stay on a night like this and then um, uh, Kids. Oh just my god! As, um, a round of applause for Jono because that is brilliant. Oh, wonderful! Telling a story, the invitation, <laughs> the actual dance floor. Then please stay on a night like this. And then what did you say? Finish off with they had babies um, and all of a sudden kids arrive. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the conception. Yeah. Oh, that's the conception. <laughs> <laughs> that puts a whole new slant on the whole album for me. Robbie wishes. It, it's just like the you went out on a night like this and then got knocked up and then had kids or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? There's even divorce on this album. So now goodbye. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually my life story. The more I think about it, how depressing. This was such a fun album until you put that forward. <laughs> Track nine on Light Years is Please Stay. Now this, I believe, I, controversial is probably a bit too strong, but this is what I heard that Kylie did not want this to be the final single of the album. She didn't want it, uh, but she was pushed into it because it's it's safe, I suppose. Um, it's the only song with that Latino type of um, deal on it. I love the song. Should it have been a single, though? Should, should it have been the final single on Light Years? Uh, I think it was the weakest single of the releases. Most definitely, I wouldn't have released it over Butterfly or Your Disco Need You or Disco Down. I, I would agree, definitely. It's um, probably uh, the weakest uh, from the four main singles. Um, I, I like it, though. I, I see a lot of people saying they don't like it. Um, I actually enjoy it. I listen to it quite frequently. But as a single, it wasn't as successful. Um, it's obvious to see why it's quite, quite different um, from the other ones. Um, actually, uh, just a little random tidbit is, uh, speaking of uh, Your Disco Needs You in Germany, uh, they actually replaced Please Stay With Your Disco Needs You on the German edition of Ultimate Kylie. Is that right? Um, there, and yeah, I, I all, of the, all of the other fans I speak to, they're like, oh my god, I really want the German edition of Ultimate Kylie, because yes. they, um, they, they kicked off Please Stay For You, Disco Needs You there, because Please Stay was like an, a non-event in Germany. Um, so they stuck uh, 
could just go an easy one there instead. Um, I really like the video clip, though. She looks great. Um, it's fun. Definitely very light years as well, I think. And she just um, loves it when she's canoodling on a piece of furniture, too. And she does that for, yeah. the, first, for the first third of this video clip. <laughs> and what's with the Perhaps Batman so. thing? Oh, every Like, when I was a boy, I wanted one of those in my wardrobe, that, you know, where you pull the little handle yeah. and you've got a little pole in there. I wouldn't have wanted to land yeah. where she landed. I thought it was going to the Batcave, but that's all right. The Light Your light Year's uh, pinball machine. It's like, yes. oh, where do I get one where of those? Where is that? Yes. Where is it? There must be a museum where that's like the, the centerpiece. <laughs> In a box? Yes, yes. <laughs> I said, I think all of you are haters. I'm sitting here like, when do I get my turn? I'm about to read all of y'all for filth. I think Play State, <laughs> like, I don't care that it didn't do well. Not everything can be a, you know, a, a hot banger, but I think it's a really good kind of song where... You know, it's a good breakup song, and it's a good kind of song about not knowing the future of a relationship. And I, I don't know, I use a lot of Kylie's songs to kind of um, speak for kind of whatever context I'm going through right now, because she ha does know how to turn a mood around, because she is so glittery and fun. But I liked Please Stay as a single. No, oh, now listen here, you little upstart. Now, you've just come along <laughs> at the last minute and tried to rewrite history. <laughs> 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 well, let's look at the chart before, but let's look at some facts. Please Stay had moderate success worldwide. The song debuted at number 15 on the Australian singles chart, which is phenomenal. Like if dancing could have made it, you know, I think, but we're talking different days, aren't we? But it didn't receive yep. many weeks on the chart, so it slipped out pretty quickly, but it was still certified gold, uh, but it fell out of the week. So basically what I'm saying, it didn't have the longevity of the other songs. And surely, Jono, even though you're saying that the song was good and all of that, and I respect that, actually, honestly. Mm. Don't you think there are other songs that would have made better final singles to represent this album and round it off the way it deserved to be rounded off? Well, I think maybe it's because it was a final single. Mm. Have you ever thought about that? Because did kids come before yes. um, Please Stay? Okay. Hmm. I think maybe the collab should have been put at the end, and not because of what I was talking about before with telling a story. I just think maybe because... I don't know. I think pulling a collab in the middle is kind of very odd for an Alcus progression of singles. We've got to talk about the the only ballad on the album, uh, number ten on the album, "Bittersweet Goodbye." Number ten or number nine, depending on if you're counting password. By the way, don't shoot me, people out there who say it's track number nine. She sang this at the anti tour. One of the highlights for me, at least. Some people say it's a bit of a stock standard ballad. I couldn't disagree more. What are we making of "Bittersweet Goodbye"? She actually wrote it about uh, Michael Hutchins. Yes, apparently. Yeah, I, I think it's it's beautiful. I, I love playing it, and especially if I if I need a bit of a cry, I'll put it on. Uh, this is another one that took um, quite some time to grow on me. I was always thinking like it's stuck right in the middle of the album or towards the end of the album, and um, doesn't really fit. I guess the overall, you know. Uh, kind of theme but it is it is a really uh, you know over the years I've come to appreciate it it's definitely a very um, sad song um, definitely shows off her skills as a songwriter as well mm. and um, a vocalist so I think it's um, yeah definitely good if you're feeling a little bit sad I took a while to grow on me as well it's probably one of the songs that I like the least but I, I would say learning now that it's about Michael Hutchins I think yeah, that makes me like it more. 
particularly on this album. This album is so energetic. We do need a point. If you're going to listen to it from beginning to end, as you should, people, stop listening to tracks on Spotify <laughs> singularly. Listen from beginning to end. And if you do that, you need a break. You need something, yes, daddy. especially on this. Yes, Daddy. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Take that as a lesson, Jono. Um, so let me, we pick up the speed again <laughs> to Butterfly. <laughs> this is going wrong, I think. <laughs> Into perverse territory. Butterfly, track Sorry. number 10 or 11. Uh, again, I, I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times. Butterfly could have been up there with, you know, probably not quite as big as Can't Get You Out of My Head, but it, well, it with the right video, the right packaging, the right marketing, the right look, and a bit of controversy as well. I think if they'd added something, you know, that would have grabbed some headlines into the video clip. This could have been, like, with Michael Jackson's Thriller album, it was a big freaking album, but then he released Thriller, like, we, we, just when you thought it couldn't get any bigger. I think that Butterfly could have just closed this album out with just a cracker. That's my thoughts. Biggest missed opportunity on any album of her career, in my opinion. Probably one of my favorite. It's, it's in my top five favorite Kylie songs. And because of the way that she has that kind of elongated run at the end, that kind of fades out. And then there's a little bit more lyrics and then it kind of fades back in and it keeps going. And I'm snatched bold every single time. Mm. Um, I absolutely love it as well. Um, coming from bittersweet goodbye which is really slow and sad and then all of a sudden butterfly starts and it's just this absolutely epic production from the uh, beginning to the end it was um i actually consider this another um step on her way to coming being reintroduced into north america it was actually a moderate um club hit in the united states and actually got a limited um release on uh vinyl and um cd and in, Aiden, uh, can i States. talk about that in the i mean this you're absolutely right before fever this yeah. was the only thing that had been released in the states for years and it was like you say it got to, it got to number 14 on their dance club charts yeah for anyone listening who has that beautiful white limited edition single of this butterfly oh my god they must be rich because this is actually one of the kylie collectibles that's worth quite a bit yeah it's it's pretty rare now um but definitely easy to see why it was uh, quite popular in clubs. It's a very, very uh, club-oriented song. I just wish she'd play it more in concert. I think it should be one of the tracks that opens up every concert she does. I, I think if she starts with a banger, finishes with a banger, yep. she's going to be smashing it all the way through. And this song is that song. I think it's um, it should be kicking off every every tour we have, regardless of what the album's about that she's um, promoting but so uh, kylie if you're listening revive butterfly rework it remake it yeah. but bring it back do something with do it something. release a video release a video do the she, whole thing she and needs we... to bring it back yes like i mean the last time we heard any of it was on a showgirl homecoming where it was used as an interlude for the one of the uh, remixes yes. yes um just briefly but like and I mean that performance on on a night like this as well. Um, so amazing the mix they used. Um, she comes out. It's a very quite quite a dark, very um, sexual, a performance. Yes, very. Mm. Um, the dancers' outfits herself, um, totally being the the uh, center of attention with the dancers in that um, mm. act. Yes, and doesn't it say everything that after all these years? We're all saying it stands the test of time. It could come back now. We move into track 12 or 11 on the album. 
which is the Barry White song, Under the Influence of Love, a very big reworking of this song. It meets her demand of the album having, I think it was summer, uh, ocean, poolside. She had a few key words that she had in her head when they started making this album. It meets all of those key words. I, I like when she does reworkings of songs because they've always been so stellar, like um, Feels So Good from Kiss Me Once and how she did that cover of the Chairman of the Board song with Give Me Just a Little More Time. Yeah. I think she does it well. She always kind of takes songs that other people have done or even that have been written for other people and you're like, okay, they, they, the original can't compare. I, I actually listened to the Barry White version um, three weeks ago. I didn't even know it was a cover. Wow. Same. And I loved it. Honestly, didn't. And I listened to the Barry White uh, version, which I would say is a cover for me. Um, <laughs> it's great. Uh, like I said, I like the album. And I, it fits in so well to where it's at. It kind of, you got Butterfly and it's kind of like in your face, bam, wham. And then Under the Influence of Love just kind of slows you back down, brings you back into the groove of the album. And yeah, it's great. Aiden, it's got a little bit of James Bond about it. Yeah, um, I, I I didn't know it was a cover for years as well. Um, definitely another one of those songs that she made her own. Now, talking about poolside and, and being in Ibiza and a tropical island, this track, I'm So High, it says all of that, doesn't it? I mean, literally in the words, this is a summer track, I'm So High. It's a good soundtrack song. I could hear it in a movie if people actually did pay attention to Kylie a bit more in Hollywood. I uh, this is another one that took uh, quite some time to grow on me, but now I I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my um, probably top tracks um, on the album. That kind of clapping production. Um, I'm dying for her to do it live. She never has. Um, I would I would love to see what she would do with it live and how she would recreate it or whether she keep it um, how it is. Uh, definitely a track I enjoy now. And it's fun to sing. If anyone out there is someone who enjoys singing, this one's got some beautiful notes that just, they're fun, up and down, up and down, really high. And it's just, it's a fun song to sing. We come to the legendary track 14, Kids, with Robbie Williams. It was also on Robbie Williams' album, Sing When You're Winning, I think it was called, something like that. Yes. Um, and he had a slightly different version with a different set of sort of rap, something about Billy Connolly and sodomy <laughs> <laughs> on his version of it. Um, Lips like Billy Connolly, yes. Uh, yes, not a bird that looks like Billy Connolly, which something like that anyway. But look, yeah. uh, I like this song, but I am going to start off with this. It's She has got to put it to bed. Stop it. It's at every tour, please. Kylie. Can you please? Agreed. Please yeah. stop. No, oh, I don't uh, this is the part where I sit down. Like it's She wants everyone to get up and pump their fists. And it's a little bit rock and roll, and sometimes I think Kylie's a bit paranoid about being not cool enough and not rock and roll enough, so I think that's why she brings this out. I sit down, it's like, please, just stop. Stop it. Stop. I have just realised that when you said that, I've been doing the lyrics wrong to the rap. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it said, not some lips, that looks like Billy Connolly, not some bird. God damn it, how embarrassing. Well, there you go, I'm sure that... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not some lips that, that look like Billy Connors. I've got fat lips. What the bugger? Oh, well. Yeah. 
Hang on, while you guys talk amongst yourselves, I'm going to Google Billy Connolly's lips to see if that makes sense on any <laughs> level at all. <laughs> it probably doesn't, and I'm not drinking, honestly. It's just, it is just, oh my God, that's really bad. Uh, but I do agree, they, she has to drop it at the, um, the concerts, unless Robbie's going to be there. It's, yes. It's, that, it's horrid. That, then it could be forgiven. Yeah, it's a horrid song, you reckon? Or is it just overdone? Uh, it's overdone in concert because like the arms go up in the air and we're slap. I don't know what we're slapping in the air. I honestly don't. But I get tired by the end of it and I'm just like, unless Robbie's going to come out of somewhere and start singing it, let's nick it off and let's just put um, Butterfly in or something. Just a quick update. <laughs> Billy Connolly's lips are perfectly normal. They're a little bit hairy. Um, but besides <laughs> that, there's not really a problem with them, no. Aiden, what no, are you okay. making of kids? Um, it, it it's not my favorite, but I don't dislike it. I think if she did it with Robbie oh, um, yes. on tour, that would be amazing. They haven't done it together in like since it came out, I think, mm. um, or around that time. I know they did it. I think at a couple of award shows. Yes, and at one of his constituents. Yeah, and then the last time she actually took it out of a tour was during Aphrodite, I believe. Um. The the one that my favorite live version is all the way back from on a night like this tour. I love when she when she included the rap um, at the very beginning of the song. Um, that's probably my favorite live version of it. Otherwise, I don't really care for it live. But you know why I that is? That's not to do with the song. It. I would venture that that's because Kylie fans love it when Kylie raps, and she knows it, and she's embarrassed by it. Yeah. But we love it when she does a little rap. Yeah, <laughs> and she's done it's, it. A few she times. can't whistle. <laughs> it's maybe the most un unkindly thing ever, but we like love it, right? You know. Hey there, um, Kylie. Thinking mm-hmm. of. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the uh, secret um, on body language, right. uh, the kids rap from On The Night Like This tour, um, uh, various other little places on body language as well. It's like... One um, Boy Girl. Yeah, One Boy Girl as well. Now, it's Jono, like... <laughs> um, this song was written for you. It was written for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I, yeah, no, retire it at the concerts because there's a lot more better options. Like... You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how it can fit into... I don't know how thematic she is with her, like, um, each of her segments and um, all that kind of stuff, but it just doesn't fit in. We're closing the album now with Light Years, and I love it when um, when artists, particularly Kylie, uh, finish off an album with a great track like this that just leaves you singing the song after the disc has actually finished. Light Years, surely I'm not going to get any objections to this. Fantastic track fantastic i know my brother said to me i think she was just trying to prove that she passed kindergarten uh, by counting backwards <laughs> i i didn't think he was funny at all he was just being a jerk but tell anyway your bro- tell your brother he's a buffhead and to give himself an uppercut you know him god damn it yeah. um yeah <laughs> i know he's tight it's, yeah exactly yeah I'm not he would have mocked you when you wore your kylie t-shirt Oh, yeah, you know what? He got around in ACDC shirts and, <laughs> and black jeans. And I said, mate, you're going off of me. He said, but I go to a concert and I watch a chick run around in hot pants. You go to a concert and you watch blokes in black jeans and tight shirts. I'm the, I haven't got the issues. That's What's his you. name, Rick? Anyway. Uh, no, better not. He's bigger than me. <laughs> oh, that's very loyal and brotherly of you. Well, he's faster. Um, <laughs> great song, but hey. No complaints from me, absolutely. I, I think it's um, 
although it's uh, remained an album track. Uh, I think it potentially could have been a single, um, but I, I think it's a I think it's an absolute classic. Uh, she's brought it back m- several times um, on tours. Uh, probably her most well known album track, I would say, definitely uh, a total fan favorite. Um, my favorite live version would be from from the Fever tour where she mashed it up with um, mm. uh, Donna Summers. I feel love absolutely amazing. Um, the song itself really is a kind of homage to to I feel love. It kind of has that same yes. kind of disco disco feel. Um, absolutely amazing from uh, start to finish. Um, I the the lyrics are so quirky, so Kylie. Um, you know, thank you for flying KM Air. It's you know, I'm your person, Kylie. Like, what is not to love about this track? Camp-tastic, Jono. It is. No, it is. And I love that kind of little do-do-do-do-do kind of sound that's in yes. the song. That really stands out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it would have been a single just because it kind of seems like a kind of outro to me. Some of the lyrics to the song, have yourself a taste of foreign glamour, speeding on our way to something new, missing for a night but gone forever, the crew are here to take good care of you. I, I love the, I love the, um, the lines in this. I particularly like the line, pop stars on the moon, which, uh, by the way, Rick probably yeah. heard completely differently. Did you, Rick? No. <laughs> yes, no, I didn't. But the exits are in the front and the rear of the car. Yes. Oh, am I the only one that giggles every time I hear that? Maybe I, that? I think if it was used as a in-flight safety video, we would ne- there would be no more air disasters ever. <laughs> Everyone would get out alive. I have to admit this was a Absolutely song that made brilliant. me go to the internet and look up what what is a purser because in Australia unless can, unless Rick or Jono can correct me I we don't no. use that term what the hell's a purser but now I know I, I guess it's like a fancy term for a flight attendant it I'm is. assuming Oh so you huh, don't yeah. you don't use that in Canada either that term No no definitely a, a very attendant. niche word or 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 some people crudely call them plane bitches <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Depends if they put you up to first class or they leave you down the back. That's right. Or if they leave you hanging when you're asking for a whiskey on the rocks. That's exactly right. Yes. It's a great track, though. If, if, and the tour version of this, uh, fantastic, too. It really was. It was grand and big and a big production, wasn't it? And On a Night Like This was the first of those that we'd had ever, actually. Uh, it was a big, spectacular arena setting. And it was just, it was so fun to watch her do this song. And the little outfit she wore, which I think became the cover of the DVD to this as well. Um, yeah. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant stuff. Let's talk about the artwork to Light Years, the album, because it's pretty phenomenal, right? I love it when artists have really consistent um, artwork for all the singles uh, from the album. I hate it when the font deviates or there's a totally like random photo shoot or something like that. I think yes. of like like Madonna's Ray of Light and how after the first two singles the artwork completely strayed from yes. what the album original album artwork was but Light Years definitely has very consistent theme um, throughout its artwork I think especially the cover for um, uh, On a Night Like This definitely is in the same vein 
of the uh, as the artwork for the album. It's a very and consistent the font stays package. The, same. the whole the whole product that is Light Years is very consistent, singles and all. Vincent very. Peters, he was the photographer. He was selected to um, to actually take the album cover uh, photograph. The shoot took place outside a villa in the far north of Ibiza Island. I've seen some behind the scenes footage of this. It was really just a, a lovely setting where they were shooting vincent peter's photography prior to this was well known for just being iconic like he, he liked to make pieces of art and i believe that he achieved the same with the cover of this album she uh, i think when you have a look at that cover it, it is the album in a picture really because she's wearing this stunning is it a blue dress or blue i'm not sure what it is but oh it's just stunning it's by a pool there's a there's the sun going down it's just gorgeous it, it's it's what the album is really i think if you you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but um yeah i think that just exemplifies what the album's about and john it's Definitely. even it's even got a, a hint of a halo there sort of marking kylie's return to her throne too if you read into symbolism what did you make of it i know she says her favorite is fever but i think this one's the strongest just because of the raw colors and the kind of weird layer that the kind of pool does it looks very it looks like the sky oh the sky is reflecting on the water wow it's all very mirrored there were quite a few different uh, editions of light years as well and it's worth noticing a few of the other tracks around this time we had uh, the cover of uh, olivia newton john's physical which was done on the tour but that was also released as a track on like the tour bonus edition in Australia, I think it was. We certainly got it here in Australia yep. anyway. And there were lots of mis mixes, including the Sandstorm dub of Butterfly, which I love, but multiple mixes of, of all the tracks, of all the singles. I think a physical, I, I've heard it was supposed to be included in, in Moulin Rouge or something like that. Ah. Um, or a film, uh, I don't know if it was that one, or a film or something, but it never got used, and she liked it so much yes. that she brought it to life on tour and then put it on the tour, the, uh, tour edition. Aidan, I think um, you're right. Now, now that you've said it, that's a memory I have too, that it was actually recorded as part of Moulin Rouge, yeah, and a little bit raunchy. Yes, and that, but that performance definitely on the On A Night Like This tour, it's like, yeah, I'm sure my I know my mom wasn't really impressed when I'd <laughs> pop in the VHS and that act would come on and it, she was like, oh, my God, my son. <laughs> um, it was probably I, not I so much the performance, but you recreating it in the living room that actually disturbed me. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely the issue. <laughs> okay, we're going to... Go Sorry, it, I know my wife was telling me to um, sit down at the concert uh, and stop screaming and yelling. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> I know, Kylie fans are very good at that. We wait for that quietest moment. We go, we love you, Kylie. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like on every live DVD ever. There's a moment. <laughs> yes, there is. We're very good at doing that. We're going to wrap yeah. this off. Where do we think this sits in the Kylie landscape Where, as, a, as an album? Uh, we started off by saying that this really does represent who Kylie is. Uh, Jono, where do you think this sits? Well, I think, what, what do you guys think about her, her being her comeback? Like, do you agree with that, that it was her comeback? It absolutely was, for me at least, because mm -hmm. I, I loved Impossible Princess. I loved KM94. But for me, oh. she just wasn't huge superstar mainstream. And quite frankly, I know a lot of Kylie fans deny it. But we like it when she's commercially successful. 
we like it. Oh yeah. There's well, a, yeah, because she isn't one of those indie that. artists where, like, she can, you know, be happy with limited success. Like, she is a pop diva. She's called the goddess of pop, for God's sake. We can't be angry when she does get, you know, huge success because we want her to be successful. We That's want right. everyone to know who she is. I'm just noticing with Golden, there, there's this new theme coming yeah. out. But oh, we don't care. We don't care if it's not successful. Bullshit. We do. We do. Oh, and anyone, yes, that's any, so true. Anyone who says These that they're fans, not, they're just trying to find a little angle for, you know, oh, well, we're disappointed, but we're not going to call it that. We like Kylie to be commercially successful. Whether she can continue to be with her age and and all the, the ageism that there is and the fact that young people want to latch on to the latest trend, which is fair enough, who knows? But yes, this was, Light Years was a comeback. Absolutely. After mm-hmm. years in the wilderness, frankly. Yeah. If I had to give an album uh, that represented Kylie, if they said, right, this one album, you can give it to the world uh, in 50 years or 100 years that people are going to go, okay, so what was Kylie about? This would be the album I would, I'd want to put in the time capsule. I would it's uh, in my top five uh, Kylie albums for sure. It was definitely her comeback and um, definitely paved um, the way to have even a bigger comeback um, just a year later with Fever. Um, one, one thing I wanted to say is uh, with this album, um, you know, I, people always talking about how she co-wrote all of Impossible Princess and now she's co-written all of Golden. Um, but I just want to say she co-wrote most of this album as well. Good on um, you, yes. So yes. It, it's like some recognition, please. Like her name is on, I think, ten out of the fourteen tracks. It's like she wrote um, or co-wrote most of the album, and she did a really good freaking job. Thank you for pointing that. Really important point. Rick, Aiden, and Baby Jono, thank you so much for your time tonight. <laughs> awesome discussion about uh, awesome discussion about light years, and hopefully, people will stay tuned and listen to what we have to say in our retro review of the biggest album of her career, Fever, which Light Years arguably laid the foundation stone for. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank yes, you, gentlemen. So much fun. Thank it's you for fun, having yeah. me. Thank Best you. Thank you.